Because what Paul is saying is that that the world is wrong in what it thinks of us and what it values. What does the world think is wise? You live in the same world I do. What is wise? Bill Gates is wise, right? Uh, Jeff Bezos. Money is wisdom. If you're smart, you make a lot of money. He's saying what the world thinks is wise in God's economy is stupid. It's foolish. Paul's saying that what the world thinks is strength or power in God's economy is weakness, impotence. And what the world considers noble and worthy of value and honor in God's eyes is worthless. In fact, it's detestable. Jesus said that himself. He said, what people value highly is detestable in God's sight. And so if the world considers us as Christians to be fools, it's not because we are, it's because the world is ignorant. If it considers us to be weak because we're Christians, the world doesn't know what true strength is. And if it considers us to be of no value, of low estate, it's not that we are, it's it's that the world doesn't know what value is or honor, or what's worthy. As I said, what the world considers wisdom is, well, it's getting ahead, it's success, it's financial security. It's not having to worry about how much we've got. It's measured by wealth and the stuff wealth buys. Now, I know I'm, I'm, this is a slight exaggeration, but you know, there's some truth to that. We live in a world of material possessions, and the more the better. The one who, what's the old saying? The one who wins is the one who dies with the most toys or something like that? No, I don't think so. But at any rate, that's kind of a worldview. It's measured by wealth and the stuff it buys. Wisdom is proved by making more money than the next person. The world defines power. You know what the definition of power is, right? Having choices, being able to live the way we want to live, the way that's comfortable and pleasing to us. Power is wealth. Wealth is power. But in God's economy, the realm, which is the realm of what counts forever, stuff of this world is vapor, right? It's mist. It's not going to be here. And so the one who invests our lives in the stuff of this world, we're the fools. In God's economy, what counts forever we know, right? I hope at this point I'm preaching to the choir. We, we know what we value, do we not? What do we value? We value most highly the eternal things. Our love relationship with the Lord God Almighty. His revelation to us, His Word. In Scripture, His Word made flesh, Jesus Christ. We value most highly, I pray we do, the blood of Jesus Christ shed for us, by which, through faith, we can have eternal life. We treasure, most of all, the work of the Spirit within our hearts, giving us the strength and the, and the ability to grow more in holiness. We treasure the fact of Christian community and the fact that we're part of a Christian community. We treasure that God calls us to join Him in His work. We, we treasure, you and I, our need for a Savior, not our independence, but our dependence on Jesus Christ. 
These are the things for eternity. These are the eternal values. And to the extent that our lives reflect those values, then the world is going to look at us somewhat askance, a little bit maybe naive, maybe we're a little stupid, maybe we're just not very bright. You should have heard the comments I got when I left the law firm in 1993 and went to seminary. And you should have been with me in my interviews at the seminary, where they basically spent about three days trying to figure out how I had flunked out of law practice. Even in the seminary, their, their view of, of life was, why would you do this if you... <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm picking on them, but the world sees us a certain way, even, even when we're trying to do the right thing. Okay, so we know better, don't we? We know we're right with God, and we know we're right with each other, and we know that we value what counts for eternity. We know what has value. Now, the flip side of that, the rest of our readings today, is the other side of the story. Do we know what God values in us? Do we know what God values in us? It's sort of the flip side. It's pretty clear throughout the Scripture what God values in us, and we have it today in Micah, and we have it again in the Gospel reading this morning. Take Micah. In earlier chapters of, the, of his book, God uses Micah to make his case against Israel, as many of the prophets did. He, he indicts them. He tells them that they turned from him, that they worshipped idols, they oppressed the poor, they're not loving their neighbors, and so forth and so on. They ignored his law. And here in our little snippet this morning, God reminds them of all that he's done for them. Oh, my people, what have I done to you? How have I worried you? I brought you up from the land of Egypt, redeemed you from the house of slavery. I sent before you Moses and Marin and Miriam. My people, remember he reciting events where he stepped into their lives, their journey, and saved them, rescued them. What, how, how did I hurt you? Why didn't you? you know, he's, it's the end of the indictment. You've turned from me. Why did you turn from me? And then what you've got here, it's, it, you could miss this, but in verse 6, you get the people's response. With what shall I come before the Lord? I, I come to the temple. I sacrifice my goats and my pigs and whatever it is. Not pigs, but hey, you know what I mean. <laughs> Probably did pigs. That's the problem. Um, this is what they said. What shall, I, what shall I do? What more do you want? Shall I come... Before him with burnt offerings and calves here. Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams? You know, I've brought one a year, but you want thousands? Okay, I'll do that. They're frustrated. What, what can we do to please you? We don't get it while you're not pleased. Will the Lord be pleased with thousands, 10,000 rivers of oil? Shall I, give my first, shall I sacrifice my children in the fire? How many times did the Lord in the Old Testament say he didn't want that? But here they are, whining back to him. And then in verse 8, we have the, the word of the Lord. And this is Micah speaking the word of the Lord. He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? What does God value in us? In a word, humility. And out of that humility comes kindness, mercy, a love of justice toward others. Humility. That's what he values in us. 
God wants us to walk humbly with him. Now, Becky's here, so I have to watch what I say. People that know me will know that this is one of my biggest struggles. <laughs> okay, humility. I put up a good front. <clears throat> it's because I'm covering up a good deal of pride. But maybe we all do that. Humility. He wants us humble before him. What does that mean? It means to know our sinfulness. It means to know our need of a Savior. It means to know our need of him, our dependence on him, and out of that humility before him flows kindness to other people. How can we not be kind and merciful and just to other folks when the Lord has done so much for us? Our lives reveal what we value. Do we value the eternal things or do we value the things of the world? If we value the eternal things, then humility is right up our alley. That's the point of the Beatitudes, I would suggest, or at least one of the points of the Beatitudes, our gospel reading this morning, the first few verses of the Sermon on the Mount, which if you haven't read it re recently, it's worth reading all three chapters. I think it's three chapters of the Sermon on the Mount. You come away on your knees, convicted. Humility. Jesus says, blessed are we when what? When we're poor in spirit. What does poor in spirit mean? Not proud in spirit. It means humble before him, before God. Poor in ourselves, knowing our limits, knowing our sins. Ours is the kingdom of heaven, he says. Not the world's kingdom. We don't get that. We get the kingdom of heaven. It's glory. Blessed are those who mourn. What are we mourning? Our sins, right? We're grieved by our sins. We're mourning them. And he says we will be comforted. Not necessarily that we are comforted right then. The crowd he's speaking to, his blood has not yet been shed. But there is the comfort for human sin. It's coming. In just a few short months or a year from the Sermon on the Mount, his blood is shed and we are comforted in our sin. We who believe. Blessed are those who mourn and grieve will be comforted. Blessed are the meek. This is not blessed are the doormats. This is blessed are the meek before the Lord. Meek before him. We make no demands on him. We aren't like Israel here whining and complaining. We've done everything we can do. What are your problem? <laughs> blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. In other words, we know we don't have it. We don't have enough of it. We want more of it. So our relationship with him gets better and better. Blessed are the merciful, those who have been humbled by God's mercy so that they show mercy. Do you, do you see? I mean, the Beatitudes is sort of all of a piece, and the piece is humility. Humility, humility, the key to blessedness. If I asked you what you thought was the problem, the main problem with the human race, you would probably say sin, and that's a good answer. But you know, if you think about it, God solved that problem. That's the blood of Jesus Christ. The human condition, the problem is solved for those who know Jesus and accept what he did on their behalf. The sin problem is solved. We have forgiveness. We're counted as righteous, though we're sinners. God sort of solved the problem of human sin. Since the crucifixion and resurrection, the biggest problem we have, I would suggest to you as human beings, is not believing we're sinners. To think, I, I don't really need that. 
that's nice for people that have that problem, but you know, I, I don't. I, I, don't, I don't need the blood. I don't need a savior. That's called pride. It's called not walking humbly with the Lord. The problem is that I think we slip into viewing the world and with material eyes and seeing the world, seeing ourselves as the world sees us and think that the world's trappings are pretty good. They're worth pursuing. Blessed are we who know our sinfulness and our dependence on the Lord. Our problem is looking at life through worldly eyes. And I would a good test is, are you insulted <laughs> if the world calls you weak? If the world picks on you because you're going to church on Sunday or you, you stand up for Christian values in a public meeting or, 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 are you insulted? I'd say don't be insulted. Revel in it. Revel that you've been identified as Christian. Blessed are we. The Lord says, a broken and contrite heart he will not despise. So, here's the thing. I'm going to end with this. And the thing, here's the thing about humility. We can choose it. By, by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, we are given the ability to choose humility. In other words, to have faith, to turn to Christ on our knees. We can choose it. It's a good thing. It's wonderful. But if we won't choose it, then God has a solution for that too. And I think, it, yes, it's, uh, some of us have experienced it. Um, he will allow, out of love, allow into our lives that which will humble us, put us on our knees before him. He does it not to hurt us, far from it. He does it to bring us home. He loves us enough to humble us. He's faithful to allow into our lives that which will bring us to our knees. And so here's my saying. Take this away. This is the takeaway. Humility is good. Humiliation, not so hot. Okay? <laughs> humble yourself. The Scripture says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and He will lift you up. Humility and the fear of the Lord. Pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for your faithfulness to me all these years continuing to humble me when I needed it. I pray for us all, Lord, that you would be faithful. Give us hearts of humility. Bring us where we need to be. We ask in Christ's name. Amen.